We take our scripture reading this morning from Luke 22 and Matthew 27. Let's begin at Luke 22, verse 19, where we find the institution of the Lord's Supper on the night when our Lord was betrayed in the upper room. Luke 22, verse 19 and 20, we read, And he took bread and gave thanks and brake it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Now let's turn to verse 39, where we find Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. And he came out and went, as he was wont, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed after him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Now we turn to Matthew 27, and we begin reading at verse 33. And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, They gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him, and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. Finally, we read verses 45 through 50. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. We read the Holy Scriptures that far this morning. Let's consider also the teaching of the Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 28.
We considered the portion on preparing ourselves for the Lord's Supper last Sunday. Now we turn to Lord's Day 28. And let's just consider the first two questions of this Lord's Day today. How art thou admonished and assured in the Lord's Supper that thou art a partaker of that one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross and of all his benefits? Thus, that Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat of this broken bread and to drink of this cup in remembrance of him, adding these promises. First, that his body was offered and broken on the cross for me, and his blood shed for me, as certainly as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup communicated to me. And further, that he feeds and nourishes my soul to everlasting life with his crucified body and shed blood, as assuredly as I receive from the hands of the minister, and taste with my mouth the bread and cup of the Lord as certain signs of the body and blood of Christ." What is it then to eat the crucified body and drink the shed blood of Christ? It is not only to embrace with a believing heart all the sufferings and death of Christ, and thereby to obtain the pardon of sin and life eternal, but also besides that to become more and more united to his sacred body by the Holy Ghost, who dwells both in Christ and in us, so that though Christ is in heaven and we on earth, we are notwithstanding flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone, and that we live and are governed forever by one spirit, as members of the same body are by one soul. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have seen in past Lord's days that the Holy Spirit works faith in our hearts through the preaching of the gospel and confirms it by the use of the sacraments. This morning we have the privilege of celebrating one of the two sacraments, the Lord's Supper. The question that comes to us as we approach the Lord's Supper this morning is, how does the Holy Spirit confirm our faith or strengthen our faith or nourish our faith through the Lord's Supper? How does he do that? And the answer that the Catechism gives in this Lord's Day is that he does it by admonishing and assuring us in the Lord's Supper that I am a partaker of the one sacrifice of Christ on the cross and of all his saving benefits. That's the answer. That's how he strengthens our faith in the Lord's Supper. But that requires further explanation. And so the Catechism is putting that into the form of a question. How art thou admonished and assured in the Lord's Supper? How does the Holy Spirit admonish and assure you in the Lord's Supper that you are a partaker of that one sacrifice of Christ and of all his benefits? How does he do that? 
And the answer that the Catechism gives is that he does it in two ways. There's a command, and there's a promise. There's a command that Christ speaks to me and to all believers, eat, drink, and do so in remembrance of me. That first. And then second, there are these promises that he adds to that command. The promises that he will give to us salvation, even as we eat this bread and drink this wine in remembrance of him. So we're going to look into those two ways that the Holy Spirit admonishes and assures us in the Lord's Supper. Let's consider the blessed sacrament of the Lord's Supper this morning. Notice, first of all, the promises of Christ to every believing participant, and secondly, the command to eat in remembrance of him. Finally, the result when I eat Christ by faith. <clears throat> First of all, the promises. As a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit assures me and admonishes me that I am a partaker of the one sacrifice of Christ upon the cross and of all his saving benefits by certain blessed promises that Christ speaks to me in the Lord's Supper. Christ speaks to me in the Lord's Supper. Not first of all the minister, but Christ himself speaks to me when the minister takes hold of that bread and lifts it up before my eyes and breaks it and says, this bread is the communion of the body of Christ and then he takes that tray of broken bread and passes it to me. Through that action of the minister, Christ is promising me that that bread was broken for me. And when the minister takes that cup and he pours wine into that cup before my eyes, and then he takes that tray of wine and passes it down to me. Christ himself is promising me through that action of the minister that wine is poured for you. It's for you. And when the minister does those activities, Christ speaks to me the very same promise that he spoke to his disciples on that night when he was betrayed. You have to imagine yourself sitting around that table with the Lord Jesus as one of his disciples that night when he was betrayed, when you sit around these tables. And you have to hear Jesus saying to you the same thing he said to his disciples that night when he took the bread, lifted it up before their eyes and broke it and said, this is my body which is broken and given for you. And for many for the remission of sins. And when he took that cup of wine and passed it to them and said, This is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. 
When Jesus spoke that promise to them, the promise we read in Luke 22, the promise which is also found in 1 Corinthians 11, Matthew and Mark don't have that same promise in those same words, but Luke and 1 Corinthians 11 do. The promise is, this body is broken for you. This body is given for you. That's the promise that he speaks to us in the Lord's Supper. Now, the Catechism says that the Holy Spirit admonishes and assures me through those promises. When we see the minister breaking the bread and we hear him saying those words, Christ is admonishing us to hear his voice. He's admonishing us. He's saying to us, hear my voice. Don't just hear the voice of your minister. Hear my voice. Because I have a promise to speak to you. And what I promise you this morning, through that human voice of my servant, is that I gave my body to be broken for you on the cross, to feed and nourish your soul unto everlasting life, just as you see this bread, and you know that bread is a nutritious, life-sustaining, life-giving food. Just as you see that nutritious bread broken and prepared and given to you, you must understand that I have given my body to be broken for you, and I give it to you so that you will live. And Christ says, hear my voice, I promise you. As you see this wine poured and passed to you, so you must hear this promise that I have shed my blood for you to bless your soul with everlasting joy because you know that that wine is a symbol of joy and celebration and luxury. Even as wine makes glad the heart of man, you must understand in that wine that I've shed my blood to give you joy, everlasting joy, to celebrate for all eternity in the covenant of grace. To go even deeper, we have to understand what Jesus is promising us through that bread and that wine, broken and poured and given to us. He's saying, I promise you, my dear child, hear my voice. I promise you that I came down from heaven for you. I came down from heaven to take your sins and your griefs and your iniquities upon myself and to bear the weight of your sin. He says, my dear child, do you see me there in the garden of Gethsemane, falling down in the darkness of the night, crying out to my Father to take away this cup from me, if it were possible? Do you see me there, sweating great bloody drops? That's because I bore the weight of your sin, and it was the weight of the wrath of God against your sin that pressed out of me that bloody sweat in the garden. It was for you. And do you see me there being led, carrying my cross through Jerusalem to Golgotha? Do you see me there falling down before the cross, nailed to the cross, pierced my blessed hands and my blessed feet, my head already pierced, 
with that crown of thorns. I did all of that for you. I did that for you. I gave my blessed body for you. To be nailed to that old cross. To take upon myself the curse of God that was due to you for your sins. I did that for you. He says, hear my voice. Do you see me there on the cross? In the ninth hour, when there was darkness over the land for three hours, I was humbling myself to the deepest reproach and pains of hell on that cross for you. Do you hear my voice crying out from the cross, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? That was me crying out from the depths of hell, from the depths of forsakenness, perishing under the wrath of God. And I was doing that for you. I was giving myself to be forsaken for you. I was forsaken so that you would never be forsaken. I was condemned so that you would never be condemned. I, would, I was cursed so that you would be blessed. I did all of that so that I could feed and nourish your souls with the forgiveness of your sins and with everlasting life. That's the promise of the Lord's Supper. That's what Jesus says to you and to me as a child of God, as a believing participant in the Lord's Supper. That's what he promises to us. And the Holy Spirit admonishes and assures me and you personally by those promises in the Lord's Supper that I am a partaker of that one sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and of all his saving benefits. But there's more. There's also a command. I'm also admonished and assured in the Lord's Supper that I'm a partaker of that sacrifice of Christ by the command of Christ, the command to come, to take, eat, drink, and do so in remembrance of me. Those are commands that he issues to me and to every believer. Notice, those are not commands that he issues to every person. The Catechism says, those are commands to me and to every believer. Jesus does not command every person to take that bread and to eat it and to take that wine and to drink it. He has a word for unbelievers. And that word that Jesus has for unbelievers through the church, through the preaching of the gospel is repent of your sin. Humble yourself. Come to Jesus and believe in him or you will perish for all eternity. But the command that Jesus has for believers, for confessing believers, penitent believers, humble believers, is come to the supper and take that bread in your hand and eat it and take 
that cup and drink it. He commands me to do that. He commands you to do that. And to do that in remembrance of him. And that very fact that he commands me and every believer to come, to take, to eat, to drink, that very fact already admonishes and assures me that I'm a partaker of that sacrifice on the cross and of all his benefits. Because he doesn't command everyone to do that. He commands me to do that. Because I'm a partaker, and therefore I am to partake of the signs and seals. And then furthermore, when we come to that table and sit around that table and we take that bread in obedience to the command and we lift it to our mouth and we eat it and we lift that cup and we drink it, that act of eating and drinking, the Holy Spirit uses that act of eating and drinking to admonish and assure me that I am a partaker of the crucified body and shed blood of Christ when I do so in remembrance of him. Again, that expression does not appear in Matthew and Mark, but you find it in Luke and 1 Corinthians 11. This do in remembrance of me. The call to remember Jesus in the Lord's Supper may strike us, if we think about it, as a little strange. That is, it might strike us who have grown up in the church to be a little strange because how could we ever forget Jesus, we might think. After all, since we were little children, we might think, I've been brought to church, I've been brought to catechism, perhaps I've been brought to the Christian school, and almost every single day I've heard about Jesus. It seems almost impossible to us that we could not remember him. And from our youngest days, we are taught that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. How could I not remember that? And we come to church every Sunday, and every single sermon teaches us that Jesus died on the cross for us. How could we not remember Jesus and what he did for us on the cross? And indeed, those are marvelous, marvelous blessings for us who grow up in the church and who are taught Jesus from our earliest days. But now our Lord adds this blessing to all those blessings, that he gives us also a visible reminder, a visible token, a visible sign and seal, a piece of bread that is broken, red wine that is spilled out, And that visible token that we see portrayed before our eyes is a reminder to us, a visible reminder that makes itself an impression, an indelible impression on our minds, hearts, and souls as we see it of what he did for us and what it means. Therefore, beloved, when we take that bread and we eat it, we take that wine and we drink it. The Holy Spirit is admonishing and assuring me thereby that I'm a partaker of that sacrifice of Christ and all its benefits when I do so in remembrance of him. In remembrance. 
If we come up here, and we take that bread, and we eat it mindlessly, then it doesn't serve any great spiritual advantage to us. If we're just going through the motions, if we're just doing the customary thing, if we're not thinking about it, if we're not lifting our souls to Christ in heaven and thinking of Jesus and remembering Jesus and what he did for us on the cross as we take that bread and eat it, then it doesn't serve very much advantage to us. It's when we eat it by faith, when we eat it in remembrance of him, that's when the Holy Spirit uses it to assure us, to strengthen us, to confirm our faith as we're eating the bread, chewing it, and swallowing it, we come to realize by faith, just as I'm taking this bread and eating it and swallowing it, I'm partaking of the crucified body of Christ. I'm partaking of the shed blood of Christ and all of his benefits. And what a joyful celebration of gratitude that then becomes. Because as the Catechism says, to eat the crucified body and drink the shed blood of Christ is, first of all, to embrace with a believing heart all the sufferings and death of Christ and thereby to obtain the pardon of sin and life eternal. (coughs) But finally, the result of eating and drinking Christ by faith Not the result of just eating the bread and drinking the wine without faith. Not just the result of coming up here and and taking the bread and wine, but the result of eating and drinking Christ, which is symbolized and sealed in the Lord's Supper. The result of that is, the Catechism teaches us, that I become more and more united to the sacred body of Christ by the Holy Ghost, who dwells both in Christ and in us, so that even though Christ is in heaven and we are on earth, we are the nevertheless flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. That's a great mystery and a great wonder. And that's the result. When we are eating and drinking Christ by faith, not just at the Lord's Supper, but day by day, becoming more and more united to his sacred body by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost united us to Christ and to his sacred body at the very beginning of our Christian life, whenever that was. For many of us, it was probably when we were very young, maybe even before we were born. For others of us, it may have been at a different time in our life so that we were converted out of darkness into his marvelous light. But whenever that took place, the Holy Spirit united us to Christ and to his sacred body so that we became flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone spiritually. You look at that expression in the Catechism, and if you think about that, then you're going to start asking yourself, now where does that come from, and what does that mean? And then... That will lead you into the scriptures and you will find the catechism is taking this expression from Ephesians 5 verse 30 where the apostle Paul is talking about husbands and wives dwelling together in marriage 
and that the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church, and Christ died for the church, and his love for the church, and the church is called to submit to Christ. And in that whole passage, Paul then points out that we are the members of his body. We, the church, are. We are of his flesh and of his bones. We are. We are of his flesh and of his bones. And then if you scratch your head and say, but what does Paul mean by that? What is Paul referring to? And you search the scriptures some more, you'll find that Paul's lifting that from Genesis 2, verse 23. Where God created Adam and Eve. And he created Eve out of Adam. Out of the rib of Adam. He made Eve. And then when Adam Adam woke up and he saw his wife for the first time, he said, This is now flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. She shall be called woman because she's taken out of man. And God was teaching us there in the beginning of time that he brings a man and a woman together in marriage and they become united. They become one flesh. Just as the first woman was created out of the man and then brought to the man so that they are to be viewed as one entity, one flesh, a unity. So also, each one of the members of the church receives his life or her life from Christ. We are bone of his bone, spiritually. That is, we receive our spiritual life out of Christ, from Christ, and therefore we belong with Christ. We are united to Christ. We are one flesh with Christ. He is our husband. We are his wife. The Holy Spirit united us to him at the beginning of our Christian life. Now, as we eat the crucified body of Christ and drink the shed blood of Christ throughout our life by faith, as we walk by faith, as we look to Jesus and we devour him, we trust in him, we embrace him, then we become more and more united to his sacred body by the Holy Ghost. The opposite is also true. If you are not eating the crucified body and drinking the shed blood of Christ by faith, that is, if you're not looking to Christ day by day, if you're not hungering for Christ and thirsting for Christ, but if you're hungering and thirsting for something else, if you're looking for salvation somewhere else, if you're looking for joy somewhere else, if you're looking for comfort somewhere else, if you're looking for forgiveness somewhere else, then you're going to drift farther and farther away from Christ and from his sacred body and farther and farther into the world. But when we are eating his crucified body and drinking his shed blood by faith day by day, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, running the race with our eyes on Christ, then we're becoming more and more united to his sacred body and to Christ himself. That means we're drawing nearer and nearer to him. 
It's either one or the other. Just like in marriage. We husbands and wives were united at our wedding. United. One. Right then and there. But throughout our married life, we are either drifting farther away from each other or closer to each other. It's one or the other. There's really no stagnant, neutral area. It's either one or the other. So also in the spiritual life. And when we're eating the crucified body and drinking the shed blood of Christ, we're drawing nearer to Christ and to his sacred body, the church. That means, as the Catechism goes on to say, we're living more and more in submission to Christ, our head, and therefore we are governed by that one spirit, just as one body is governed by one soul. And that one spirit who governs us leads us to love the body, to love the other members of the church, to walk in love with one another. And that, that's the blessed fruit and result when we come away from the Lord's Supper, having partaken of it by faith. May God grant us that blessed result. Amen. Our Father, which art in heaven, we give thanks to thee for thy word, which has prepared our minds and our hearts now to partake of these visible signs and seals. We pray that thou would use this supper for our edification, for those of us who partake, but also for those of us who observe. May it serve as a comfort to us and pointing us to Christ. 